Ah, this is terrible. I can't read. Welcome to the Four Corners Crimecast. My name is Jake. My name is Katie. And I'm your host, Rory. This is a creepy Rory. I guess. It gets kind of creepy. It gets real weird. A lot of weirdness in this episode. High strangeness. High weirdness. Well, what are we talking about? Oh, we're continuing on part two of... Uh, Skinwalker. Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> and where did we leave off last week? Last week, Terry was at his wit's end. He had just lost three dogs at the same time to a floating blue orb that vaporized them. I think at this point, he's finally just like, this is it. I have to tell someone my story. I have to get this out there to the world. And uh, I think that's where we're going to start off this week. Well, our story actually starts with NIDS, or the National Institute for Discovery Science, which was founded in 1995 in Las Vegas, Nevada, by motel magnate Robert Bigelow. Now, there's a thing about NIDS is that it's kind of a first in paranormal research to actually have funding behind it. Like most of these things didn't receive funding because people didn't believe in the science that they were trying to quote unquote study. Who was funding them? Bigelow himself? Yeah, Robert Bigelow. Well, actually, Robert Bigelow got government funding because he was homies with with a senator who got uh, funding, steered his direction. Yeah, Harry Reid. Harry Reid, yes. Yeah, that's the, okay, so at the point of its founding, Robert Bigelow received a grant from the state on monitoring the skies for unidentified flying objects and things like that. And that led into the founding of NIDS in 1995 before they even released the story about the ranch. But we'll, we'll get into that. Bigelow was kind of a big nerd. Um, he just didn't have any math skills or talents to go into space. So he vowed to make <laughs> enough money that it wouldn't matter. So wait, he wasn't a nerd. He was a geek, maybe? Yeah, he was a space geek. He's a space geek. You can't be dumb and be a nerd. Fully funded and ready to get at identifying slash documenting slash studying unexplainable phenomena. They just needed to find a spot that they could set up their NIDS observation camp. Coincidentally, on June 30th, 1996, an article in the Deseret News documents some of the occurrences that were plaguing the Sherman family. In very clear wording, in the article it claims, The Sherman's ranch would be paradise if they were UFO researchers, but strange lights in the sky weren't what the couple was looking for when they bought the ranch two years ago. Bobby Boy Bigelow was like, oh yeah, let me get on that. Literally a few weeks after that story ran, uh, Robert Bigelow offered to take the ranch off of Terry's hands for the not-so-fair price of about $200,000. That was not a fair price? I don't think so, but they possibly may have bought the Shermans another ranch a ways down the road, and Terry did stay on as the ranch manager to his kind of, due to his like, stubborn nature. He planned to see the ranch through and get some answers. Yeah, he was process. looking for answers to yeah. this stra uh, high strangeness that he'd been seeing. And he wasn't really interested in not finding out what it was. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. He The stuff that he's seen and that he called in is absolutely <laughs> mind-boggling. I, I don't know if I would be, like, scared of it at that point or I would have the same, like, I got to find out what it is. Oh, yeah. No, I'd want to know. I would stay there. Do you want to get obliterated? By September 1996, the NIDS team had made it to the ranch and began to setting up shop. The ranch immediately had an off-putting vibe for the researchers, even though the place seemed to be like an ideal, quiet, serene environment. No one could shake an eerie feeling as they toured the ranch. One of their first stops was towards the west at the fence line of the neighbor whose ranch butted up next to their property. 
Terry pointed out two cattle that had gone missing a few days before. The carcasses both had their heads stuck under the fence and were just writhing, massive, decaying flesh, flies, and maggots. Like, they could see the whole thing, like, wriggle. <laughs> the researchers are like, yeah, this place just has a real off-putting vibe. I'm not sure what it is. There's the dead stuff, yeah. <laughs> so why did Terry still have cows on the ranch at this point? If enough of them had died, his dogs had he's, died. He's still trying to make money. He still has to make money. That's These cattle are how he's going to... So sell them. I don't think he's going to sell money. them, but you got to get them to. He's not going to sell them when and something comes and rips their organs out and leaves with them with their heads under a fence. Well, if you harvest quick enough, maybe. No, he he sells some of the cattle to the uh, researchers on the farm because they needed something there that would bring the presence. That's why they had dogs and horses and cow on the property. I imagine that wasn't his intention in the breeding and the keeping of the cows to sell them to. No, a giant but, nerd that would buy his farm. Did he sell the cows with the place, or like did the cows come with the land? Yeah, they can't. No, he sold them. I think it was like sixty-four thousand dollars. Got them like ten head of cattle or some shit like that. Ten head of cattle, eh? something like that. I can't remember what it was. There was some ridiculous number. They they paid they paid more for the cows than they did for square like footage they got on their property. Do you want to know what the real problem here is? Huh. Utahnians trying to be Texans. Utahns. Utahns. Trying to be Texans. And he was a New Mexican, and the other dude's from Nevada. What are you talking about? They're in Utah. Terry completed the rounds by showing him the spot where his dogs had been incinerated, and a few more carcasses that he said had been sitting for months, and wondered out loud to the vet if there was a reason why it was taking so long for them to turn to bones. Because I guess having been a cattle rancher, he kind of knew that in this environment, bone like exposed skeletons turned to bones in about three to four weeks, and these things were months old, and they were still decaying flesh and the vet didn't have an answer he's like oh you must be off in the your time frame for when they died and he was like oh yeah okay the vet the vet's just like why do you still have carcasses sitting there that cattle ranches they have bone yards like you wait till their bones and you put them in there really yeah they just die like you're gonna move a fucking 1200 pound cattle they stink yeah we had one die by the mailboxes at our house when i was a kid and it bloated up to twice the size and exploded and what happened with it so messiahs came out from KOLD, or he was gonna come out, and then he heard that it what like, oh, he got out of his car, smelled the cow, got back in his car, and left. <laughs> now he's like giving his kid cocaine and stuff. Okay, that's a true story. The NITS team had two different ideas of how to monitor the property. One team believed they needed to monitor the entire property for phenomena twenty four seven, and the other prop party believed the minimalistic approach was the best way to go. They both agreed they couldn't continue forward until they had gone through a validation process and experienced a phenomena themselves. Yeah, and that one, the one people, or the one side that wanted, you know, to be minimalistic, they were pretty concerned that, you know, this is, whatever it is, it's intelligent and it's going to know you're watching it. Yeah, and by admission of Terry, he said every time he's tried to, like, actually monitor, monitor it, it's not worked, but he's laid out in his yard for six hours and watched a thing fly over its head. I find it odd that they spent all of this money and then they're like, oh, but we should make sure shit's actually happening. Oh, yeah, no. They spend ridiculous amounts of money. But, like, do that, like, make sure you see something first and then buy the property? Well, they had reports of it being a hot spot since the 1960s, um, multiple 
This guy's Bobby Boy. Strange occurrences, well-noted occurrences. And Robert Bigelow saw something, read the newspaper article, and was like, holy fuck, this is what we need. Like a synchronicity type of deal? Yeah. I mean, it was almost too perfect. That and Robert Bigelow is just like Rory with a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Definitely fun scientific research, even though I'm not a... Fun in quotation marks because Rory would just be like... Oh, I've got an extra $200,000. I'd like to sit on a porch and watch Phenomena. No, it'd be more like, how much does it cost to get me to outer space? Two million? Deal. I'm I'm in. It's only two hundred grand if you can convince the skinwalker that you're on their side. It's only two hundred grand if you go through Russia and <laughs> no thanks. The first appearance was on September 16th, 1996 at 1.30 a.m. While on break in the observational trailer, a bright light was spotted hovering in the sky. None of the equipment were any help in the situation as they observed it, but there was a visual confirmation by two scientists and Terry. They observed the object dip and then rise, confirming that it was not a flare as they originally thought. It was just a bright light, almost like a few hundred yards out, and they thought it was a road flare coming up, but it came up, dipped down below the trees, came back up, and did different arc patterns that helicopters are not capable of doing. Because it was bright enough for them to think it was a signal flare, but... What if it was just a firefly and it was just really close to their faces? <laughs> they are just all confused. Utah doesn't have fireflies, Katie. Boom. Myth busted. It wasn't fireflies means it was aliens. But here's the thing. They also didn't have the these night vision binoculars. And as we'll learn later, those are very important for bright lights in the Uinta Basin. If it was 2020, they would have just like taken a picture and... Posted online with the hashtag burnout, not fade away, and then get zapped by aliens. The NIDS team went about the town collecting information on local incidents. There was a lot of stories from folk that had been in the area for their entire lives, tales of cattle mutilation, speeding lights, and a few Mexican hat-shaped flying saucers piqued the team's interest in the area even further, and they knew that this was the place. Because they called it a Mexican hat? No, that's 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 a joke because Brigham Young or whoever got on Joseph Smith saw Utah and said this is the place because he thought it was the Pacific Ocean, but it was just the Great Salt Lake, and he's an idiot. Oh man, I hope that was we a have... Mormon joke. Yeah, that was a Mormon joke. This is the place. It says it on like the sign when you're entering Utah too, because that was the first thing that Joseph Smith said. Uh, by the way, Mexican Mexican, Mexican hat is a sombrero. <laughs> no, they're called Mexican hat-shaped flying saucers. <laughs> Look it up. Look it up. That's what they're called. <laughs> Who the fuck named that shit? I don't know. Probably some racists in the 40s. Who yeah, cares? I'm not even sure if we can have that on our podcast. Some sombrero-shaped flying saucers. Now you're worried about being PC? If you guys are going to PC me. The team was flying between Utah and Las Vegas weekly, patrolling the ranch, interviewing the locals, and logging observations and establishing hotspot areas for future observation. While the team was due back in a few days, Terry had an encounter. Another light observation early in the morning. Three small lights had been seen flying in formation a few feet off the ground. The NIDS team was on the ground the next day and researching the incident. But unfortunately, none of the instrumentation picked up any residual readings. But three nights later, the team was out on a field when at 1.30am again, they had another sighting. A small light zoomed over the ridge and silently flew over the heads of the observers. They captured a few blurry photographs as the light sped off back over the ridge. While the pictures don't amount to much, two observers had validated a sighting. 
and that was good enough for the team to consider it a positive result. Here's the way that they're going out and validating incidents. They have teams. They have a scientist and an observer. And the observer is just there to hang out, spot for them, check things out, look for them, help them set up equipment. And and say, yes, I saw it. Yeah. And the scientist is there to confirm that the instrumentation is working, document, and actually visually spot incidents happening as well. So when they send two people out there, getting confirmation from one, a scientist, and two, a paid observer from outside. Paid observer. Yeah. Like they have a couple people. Terry is one of them, but one of the other people is a known survivalist in like Wisconsin or something like that. And he goes out with them and (laughs) wanders and checks things out. Bob Bigelow is like, oh, you saw that too, right? And he's like, uh... He just starts putting bills in his hand, and he's like, uh, Of course I saw that. Yes, I saw that. So is this a group of people just yes-anding each other? I kind of feel like it sometimes, but we're about to get into that a little bit. Alien improv. In the winter of 96, the team took a short hiatus from the ranch due to the extreme weather conditions. They kept in contact with Terry the whole time and planned on being back to the ranch by March. On January 16th, the team received a call. Terry had moved all the cattle to an indoor facility, well, all but three calves. Sadly, those three calves were attacked by something in the night. Why didn't he move those three calves in? You know, I'm not sure. So he out of room, and he was like, I don't like these three. No, they, he just needed something there. They probably paid him money to leave them out there. That was probably part of it as well. They didn't mention that in the book, though, so I can't confirm. This guy's getting bribed by the skinwalker? The temps dropped to 30 below, and the calves had been huddled together in the corner of the corral located near the homestead. Their ears were cut as if by scissors, and holes looked as though they were punched in the eyelids. It took about 24 hours for Terry to get two vets up there to look at the cows due to the weather conditions. And he had two different vets come look at it? Yeah. What are those vets? One of the uh, vets said that it was just predators. But literally, one of them was like, no, look at the cut on the ear. That's a cut. That's not a predator coming and attacking. And who? how would the predator just bite a perfectly circular hole in something's eyelid? All that really tells me is that the other vet was a bad surgeon. Well, the thing is the stigma with diagnosing cattle mutilation and non-predator-related deaths to cattle is that you become a crazy person. And nobody uh. wants to be the crazy vet that just sees things in the shadows and stuff. The clear-cut answer is usually the answer for them. So the one guy was like, oh, no, looks like a coyote to me. Yeah, exactly. That's what he probably said. Is it normal to call vets out when your cows die? The researchers are paying for it, and they have to document every case of cattle mutilation on the property because that's part of what they're researching as well. So they only use the crazy vet? No, they use this. No, they <laughs> the, the first person, one of the first people to go to the ranch with them is a veterinarian. They called in two t- town vets for large animals and they came out to examine them. And not only were these cows like huddled up and cold and scared, they were also real injured. By February, Terry had brought the cows back to the ranch, remembering the first time he had brought cattle to the farm. The NIDS team arrived to watch the skies and see what happened to them. So do you, I don't know if you guys remember from episode one when uh, he brought the first cow onto the farm and they had an encounter. With the actual skinwalker? Yes, with a giant dog that attacked their cow. 
Oh yeah, and they shot it a bunch. Yeah, and they shot it, it a bunch, and and then finally they shot it in the face, and it kind of walked away. Yeah, and then they couldn't find it. Well, that's what the Nids team was hoping, kind of hoping for. <laughs> Nothing really happened during that time, but a few weeks after that, in a frantic phone call, Terry relays an incident to the team. They had gotten a calf. That's all that he said was that something had gotten a cat and calf, and he didn't know what it was. Oh, something had attacked it. Yeah. I thought you meant like they had just gotten a new no, calf. No, nope, they had gotten, he had just finished. So here's the thing. Like a baby announcement, hey guys, I got a new cow. Yeah, no, come check was, it out to make sure the skinwalker doesn't eat it. No, he was literally, uh, he had just pinned its ear or tagged its ear mm-hmm. and it was 20 feet away from it when it disappeared. And It just vanished? No, we'll, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> okay. I just imagine he calls him, he's like, hey guys, got some more bait. And they just like, oh, we'll be there with our equipment. And then he's like, two seconds later, he's like, nope, too late. Sorry. Shit, you guys were slacking. When the team arrived five hours after the initial phone call, they examined the body. The 84-pound calf had been laid out, limbs ripped off, and moved about 15 feet away in all directions. The inside of the calf had been removed, including all of the organs. The most disturbing thing was there was no blood at the scene, not a single drop as if someone had come along and vacuumed up all the grass around the body. Kind of sounds like they were someone just staged a real good pit barbecue. Well, it being staged, I don't know, it happened silently 20 feet away from where Terry was finishing off. And had to be fast, right? Had to be fast, and it left no blood. So did he, like, turn around? And he then... continued on clipping the ears of the rest of the calves or something like that what and was the time frame on it 20 minutes it was real close to him right yeah it was, so 20 minutes 20 feet no it was it was it was in the it was in the corral next to where he had been doing this oh how far away were all of its limbs 15 feet 15 so they feet. were like yeah, five like, feet away from him like and he didn't feel it a bunch of legs landing near him no they were in the corral behind his back and it he spread out, he turned around, and he spread out, walked over to see what it was, and it was a calf that had, had its legs ripped off and moved. the legs were moved outward from the body like they had been ripped off and just thrown perfectly straight across from each other on both sides. So that's like a threat, right? I don't know. I would take that as a threat, like you need to go now. I was thinking someone was hungry. We're this close to you, like before they were... I mean, he had that initial one where it got close, but normally they stay kind of far, and this time it's killing something right next to him, basically. Yeah. Kind of crazy, right? You should leave. Brazen. The skinwalker showed its face a few days later. The animals were not acting right at around 11 p.m. at the observational trailer. The three dogs started going absolutely apeshit bonkers. New dogs. Newish dogs. Actually, some one of them was one of Terry's original dogs for four years or some shit like that. And uh, a little blue healer. Really? Yeah. And they had, right, they had the observational trailer, and then didn't they gate around it and keep dogs? Yeah, because outside? the dogs were their biosensors. They would take them everywhere they went in the property because they would react to something that they couldn't see. And uh, the animals were just started acting crazy, all of them. Like, cows were acting weird. The dogs have been acting weird for like a week, and they say that the dogs getting strange like comes in waves, like when weird shit's about to happen, and right after the dogs just go absolutely apeshit. But then for like a week, they'll be fine. They'll run around, they'll play, and then all of a sudden, it'll hit this peak again, and something will happen, and the dogs will freak the fuck out, and all the animals will be weird again. 
creepy. Terry and the observers jumped from the trailer and ran into the spotlight on t- Terry's truck. They cast the light around the area and saw some cows noticeably disturbed, and a few just kind of milling around because cows are dumb. <laughs> I think it's going to rain. Yeah. They spotted a shadow under a tree out in the distance. Presumed to be a cow, they jumped in the truck and headed that way to make sure it wasn't in distress and to get it back with the rest of the herd. It was at this point they noticed the large yellow eyes reflecting the spotlight back to them about 20 feet off the ground in a large tree. Terry sped forward and from 40 yards away grabbed his rifle and jumped out of the truck and shot the creature with an enthusiastic got him after the shot. Got him! They jumped back in the truck and sped towards where the body had landed. There was nothing there. As they swept the area, two more shots rang out and Terry was certain he had the beast from point blank range. Again, no blood and no body. As they searched the area, they found a single print that looked as if a giant bird had landed on one leg. So this was the first, this was the encounter. This was the first encounter with the skinwalker. Or what was presumed to be a skinwalker. Seven feet tall, up about twenty feet in a tree, shot, fell down, got up, moved along, was shot twice, point blank, fell, got up, walked away. All in one step. All no, like yeah, all without leaving prints except for that one step. They searched the whole property to see what was up with it, and they couldn't find another single print. Sounds like they just fucking shot a big-ass one-legged turkey. Do they have pictures of the print? They do. And? And it looks like a clawed creature, like a creature with a big claw on the back of its foot stepped. It's kind of indiscernible. Something like that, yeah. Now we're going to go ahead and talk about the Jim and Mike incident. Now, a couple of the researchers and scientists decided that they did not want their name released, so in the book... They have different names. I'm not 100% positive on the names of people because between researching online and two books, the one book that I read, all of their names were Gorman. So it was really fucking hard. Everyone? Well, the Shermans were Gormans <laughs> oh, okay. and their names were Tom and Tad and And then there Julie. was the, the documentary that we watched where the guy just kept saying- Interchangeable. Terry, uh, the owner. Yeah. <laughs> Kept saying that the Shermans, uh, the owners. The Jim and Mike incident happened on August 25th, 1997, when the two researchers were on the bluff overlooking the ranch to get a good vantage point on the area where the strange occurrences had been happening. Around 2.30, after about a six-hour watch and a meditation break in a field by Jim, they decided to pack up and move along to another part of the ranch. So Jim just went out and meditated in the field? Yeah, for about an hour, he went out and meditated in the field, hoping it would... Rip his limbs off? No, hoping that it would bring something to light for them. Like he, he said, was trying to stir the... Yeah, he was trying to stir the pot a little bit. Okay, okay. They alerted the other team on their walkie-talkies and began to pack up the camera equipment and the knocks. Ooh, the knocks. As they were packing up, Jim spots what he thinks is a piece of glass on the track about 150 feet below them. It started glowing brighter and brighter. He asked Mike to hand him the camera and he set up to begin to take some long exposure photography shots, which just meant that he would leave it exposed for like 30 seconds, 20 seconds. So you catch everything that happens. In so that you catch time. all the light in that area. Slow exposure allows the light to really be absorbed. That's how people take fancy photographs these days. 
As he was doing that, Mike grabbed the binoculars and tried to get a better look at the glowing spot on the trail ahead. Now, these are not just any binoculars. These are the most advanced 1997 night vision. Oh, they were the uh, Bushnell Envy 4632s. Yeah. yeah, they were fucking sweet night vision shit. So Mike's looking at him. He's got a good view of what the glowing spot on the trail. And uh, as he's looking through the binoculars, he claimed to see a large black faceless creature climb its way out of the quote-unquote tunnel but it was only seen as a small diameter bright light by jim as mike exclaims how the creature has fallen through and got up and walked away the light circle shrinks and vanishes jim asks mike to explain what happened he says there was a big creature that just fell through the tunnel and walking around somewhere out there jim and mike decided to lay low for a little bit to observe the area about 15 minutes later, made their way down to the area where they had spotted the object. No unusual readings and no sign of what happened except a pungent odor that permeated the area. So there's this musky smell that comes with the skinwalker. Can you imagine being Jim and you're like, you know, you're taking pictures, you're on top of this thing. You saw it coming, you knew it was coming and you won't were like... And then fucking Mike grabbed the binoculars while you were setting up the camera, and he got to see this thing fall out of the fucking... And he straight up would not hand him the binoculars. He like had him glued to his face and was like jumping around like, my God, there's a fucking creature out there. Like a big black thing is just crawling out of a fucking interdimensional hole there. I would have punched you in the back of the head if that were you and me. I'd been like, oh, you yeah. already saw it. Give Let it to me. me. See it. I would hand him to you and just stare. It'd be I, crazy. I so did they count this because there was not two people quote-unquote, observing it? They filed a report on what they each saw and what had happened, and the pictures amounted to nothing, just a blurry fucking bright blop in the background. What if Mike was just fucking with Jim? That's kind of what I think was happening, but they wrote this big, long diatribe of a note about what it was and how it happened and what he saw and what the creature looked like and how it moved and shit like that. So whatever, he's either creative as shit or just fucking with Jim. I don't know. I hope he's fucking with Jim. That'd be the best prank ever. He's like, this guy really is a dick. By July 1997, cameras had been placed all over the ranch and had picked up nothing unusual or unexplainable for about 10 months. Then, on July 20th, 1998, Terry noticed that three cameras had stopped recording. When he walked to them, he noticed that the wiring had been ripped out and meticulously unwrapped on all three cameras on 20-foot-tall poles. So they, they took the... Rubber coating off the outside of the wire and well, like splayed them basically. Yeah, or? it was in conduit and then it was wrapped in tape as well. And they went and they pulled the conduit off uh, 20 feet up on the pole, ripped the wire, out of the ripped back. the wire out of the back, and then just started like I guess unwrapped all the tape. Yeah, it was, it said it was like pretty much disassembled. Yeah, pretty crazy. Like there was no way they could use them again, disassembled. Like was the that line, why they were doing them? it. I don't know. The line it didn't ran. actually specify that, but they did have to fully repair everything. So. Yeah, they called it vandalism, but here's the crazy part. Um, after remembering the camera that faced the two other cameras that got ripped out, they traced the times on when the cameras lost their feed and went back to check the recording. But over and over, the, when they watched it, the camera showed absolutely nothing happening to those poles. They were just sitting there watching it. And they're like, yeah, they even sent the shit out to uh, Las Vegas to have the video enhanced, and it showed nothing. Couldn't even show anything hanging off of the fucking pole. Yeah, you couldn't see anything. It's just fucking with them then. They were like, what the hell are you? Yeah. 
In April of 1999, Terry still worked for the ranch. He and Gwen were coming onto the property when Gwen noticed a large dust cloud forming above where they had kept their horses for rounding up the cattle. As they pulled up on the corral, they saw the horses running in erratic patterns around the pen. Something was in there chasing the horses. Terry originally decided it was a dog, but when he got out of the truck with Gwen, he noticed it wasn't a dog at all. The animal looked like a hyena crossed with a fox, about 200 pounds with short stubby legs about as long as a boar's. Oh, it was Rory's dog. (laughs) Terry ran towards the animal and chased it down over a fence and watched as it disappeared into thin air. There were numerous more sightings on the ranch over the next few years of the same creature. Is it normal for skinwalkers to always have some sort of dog incorporated? It's possible. I mean, this thing had a fox's tail, was 200 pounds, had was shaped like a hyena with long front legs and short back legs, and the legs were thin and spindly like a boar's legs. So I don't know. I don't know what creature that would be, unless it's a long dead creature that only um, time and shaman remember. Prehistoric shaman creature. That's what it could. Be. That's what I'm thinking. Is that at the time there was some creature we didn't know about roaming the land before it went extinct, and I'm thinking this is it, or it's the original form of a javelina. We don't know. I think Terry was just out of uh, descriptions for the fucking skinwalkers. <laughs> I don't know. He, him, and his wife both saw it, and both like the horses were injured too after they had to call an emergency vet because they were all scratched up and bitten all over the place. Why did Gwen go back? I don't know. Because she was fucking terrified, wasn't she? Yeah, she was pretty much fucking done with it. But and then Terry's like, "Hey, I'm coming to get you. We're gonna go to the ranch." They just wanted to spend time together. I would still say no. I'd be like, "No, I'm good. We can spend time together somewhere else, or never." Like Denny's? I'm not going back. You're going into IHOP in town. (laughs) Meet you at IHOP. Hang on, babe. We're heading to Pangwich. Don't show them your ID. Kids under 12 eat free. Panguitch is a county. In Utah? In Utah. Panguitch County. Like a penguin sandwich. I think it's pretty close to Duchesne County where we're at, but I I don't know. Penguin sandwich. Basically, Panguitch or maybe, I don't know. I don't know how it says. Spelled Panguitch. Can you eat penguin? Just just a question. Maybe. Depends on how it's cooked, I guess. Did you ask me if I ever have? (laughs) The rest of the book goes on to explain the hypotheses of what caused the instances at Skinwalker Ranch. It's cumbersome and covers a large range of theories of what it could possibly be, how that relates back to some of the instances and things like that. But at the end of the episode, we're going to actually come up with our own theories as to what we think happened on Skinwalker Ranch. But, uh, you know, if you did like that or want to read the hypotheses from the book, I recommend it. Get the book. Good book. What was that? Oh my god, it's called The Hunt for the Skinwalker. Science confronts the unexplained at a remote ranch in Utah. About a four out of ten on the title. Four out of ten on the title, but what about on the book itself? Eight and a half out of ten. Eight and a half out of ten. Yeah. Does anyone care what my book is? No, probably not. Because I would recommend reading it yourself so you don't have to listen to the drawl. And then if you speed it up one and a half times. Well, weren't you going to explain to us an instance that happened in Wisconsin that was kind of like the blue lights or the man crawling out or whatever? Yes. And this particular story comes straight out of my book. Okay, let's hear it. Skinwalker Ranch, facing the unknown force that haunts the 
into basin. You into how do you not able to say you into basin? Penguich, man. Penguich basin. Uh, this was by Conrad Bauer, and uh, yeah. So basically, for this story, we're gonna skip up to the Great White North, the great state of Wisconsin, home to your favorite serial killers. In January of 2014, there was a Wisconsin rancher by the name of Leroy Smith. Leroy, that's correct. Is that his real name? They didn't say in the book if it was his real name or an alias. It is an alias. It's an alias? Leroy Smith. I don't know. He might have just said, might as well have just said John Smith. Leroy stated that a lot of times at night, he would see an orange vortex-like structure that would appear above the treetops, really similar to what old Terry Sherman saw. From the sides, this tunnel of light was so thin that it was it was two dimensional, like pretty much. Like it was just a, like a slit in the fucking sky, you know. But head on, if you looked at it, you could see straight into it. it looked like you were looking into another dimension, and you could see a sky behind it. You know, it was really quite fascinating, according to Leroy, because he says that he could actually see creatures dropping out of the vortex, directly landing on the ground, just bloop. Climbing on out, dropping on out. And along with this, aside from the weird creatures that he said, he didn't really describe them. He just said that they were large, dark creatures. So, but along with that, he would also see, uh, like, traditional, more traditional skinwalker style animals. Not animals, creatures, where they were um, two-legged dogs walking on, walking on sunshine. Dogs with two legs, basically. Um frightening skinwalker type beings <laughs> and, and these beings would drop out of the vortex and when they hit the ground they would immediately start running and uh they would leave totally normal pr- footprints they would go over to where they thought they saw this sure enough right under where they thought they saw it footprints fall out of the sky they pick up out of nowhere and take off running interesting so you think it was a skinwalker I think it was probably made up. I just think it's interesting that, you know, they have these instances of all these portals and multiple people seeing things because they also saw on the Skinwalker Ranch, they claimed to have seen a Bigfoot-like creature disappear into a portal because they were chasing it across the ranch. They had it cornered. It went up a hill and dove into a portal that it pretty much created, which then closed up right behind it. Interesting. And so there's a whole lot of portal stuff going on here and i'd be kind of stoked if i just saw a portal with demons climbing out of it well why do you assume they're demons yeah well, they're coming from a red hellish portal man interesting katie what do you think happened at skinwalker ranch at the ranch or at this portal in wisconsin no, no 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 just at the ranch in general what's your theory what's your hypothesis what is katie thinking i mean i believe in I guess UFOs, because it's statistically unlikely that there's no other life in the entire universe, but I don't believe the animal skinwalker thing. Wow. I know. I think I'm, like, too logical to go down those sort of routes. I'm not very into the... Mythology and fantasy and fun stuff in life. cryptid stuff. Like, Bigfoot, not real. How can you say such things? 
I think you it's... believe in aliens, but you won't believe in a Bigfoot. For real, actually, that's ridiculous. I think it's just as likely that there's a Bigfoot that disappears into a portal as that there's a Bigfoot at all. We have not explored the entire universe. We've explored pretty much every inch of the entire. Except for where the, the ocean. At least the U.S. Why would Bigfoot be in the ocean? You don't know what kind of abominable sea monster is living under there. Nessie is not real either. Katie, what if the, what it's if, a plesiosaur and it is real? What if Bigfoot has gills? It's entirely possible he does. We don't know. He's a hairy guild ma- mammal. That's how he disappears underwater. Obviously. I'm sorry, but like, so, see, when when you have to start giving me really like fantastical answers, that kind of proves to me that it's not something that can happen or is likely to be happening because well, there's no scientific backing to any of this. If you were a Utah cattle rancher who'd seen what they have seen. You might feel differently. Well, Probably, yes. I have not personally experienced anything like that, so I have no reason to believe it. I think it's fairly likely that Terry Sherman drummed this whole thing up so he could sell that fucking ranch that he was failing at being a cattle rancher. That's probably the most likely. And it seems odd to me that a lot of the things that they saw were not backed up with any sort of evidence well they have documentation there are tons of pictures there are ufo sightings there are recordings and everything but but are the pictures no something you could say are actually like they're blurry they're blurry they are bad they're They're poor quality they were taken with a camera that was 30 years old at the time so they had all of the scientific backing and all of this funding and they couldn't get they had, Better cameras? They just spent it on binoculars? Well, one of the guys uh, brought his own camera because he'd been in this situation before. George Knapp um, was part of the team, and so he brought in his own camera. He's a journalist, so he knows cameras and stuff. And that was the one where he would try and take pictures with, but they always just came out as like blurry lights in the distance. But my thing is, is I'm not necessarily saying that it's true, but I do like to believe in the mythology fantasy side of it. I love the I idea want of a, to believe yeah, it. Yeah. I, I love the idea of a skinwalker. I love the idea of a shaman that can take a back road between places with by opening a portal and crawling out as some whatever animal he needs to take shape of to walk through that land. But do you actually believe this stuff happened? Yes and no. You want to believe it I happened. I want to believe but... it happened. So yes and no. I believe that people put themselves in situations that allow them to confirm or create something to validate themselves. So when you have these guys who have been part of MUFON or who are known paranormal researchers going out to actually try and put some science behind it, that's the thing that they want the most. So on the verge of failure, let's say they were doing this until 2004 or whatever, why would uh, why would you want that to fail? So people are going to be more susceptible to things like that. And as far as I can tell, most of the people in this story are believers anyway or want to believe. Like, I don't think Terry could accept the fact that maybe he wasn't cut out for being a cattle rancher in Utah. And so he needed his, something to blame it on? Yeah, and his wife couldn't stand the fact that Terry was going crazy or whatever, so she just said, okay, yeah, these are the beliefs, but 
So there, there is a way to explain it all the way, but do I really want there to be aliens and skinwalkers walking around? Absolutely. I would love that. That'd be amazing. I would love to just sit out at the night sky and see an alien aircraft. I've seen one. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know it could not be alien, but I've seen a craft that was unexplainable in the way that it moved. And, I mean, that's logical. I mean, our our government confirmed that there's yeah. unidentified flying objects, but that does not mean... Aliens? Aliens. I don't know. I like I like the idea of Let's... aliens. I don't think aliens in my in my head though I have this built up image of what aliens are and they're not monster people that come down and destroy cows for fun, and poke holes in their eyelids and cut their ears off. No, I think if they're so scientifically advanced that they can travel the entire universe and get to other planets when we can't, then they don't need to be coming and cutting the ears off of our cows. No, it doesn't seem to make any sense. Even if it's just a passerby, like what kind of passerby is going to see sentient life and be like, let's go fucking cut its ears off. Yeah. What if Terry Sherman was a sadist? I'm thinking, I honestly, that was one of my uh, You guys are disparaging this man's name. That was one of my theories as well, is that uh, he was failing. And so every time he lost a cow due to poor maintenance or poor ranch management or whatever it was, he probably filed some sort of claim against it and got some sort of reparations out of it. Insurance fraud gone wrong. Someone Possibly. he caught the wrong person's attention with the crazy shits happening here. Yeah. And Nids came like, down oh, and I he was like, oh, fuck. This now. Yeah, like, oh, I lost six fucking $1,200 cattle to uh, predators. I mean, if he's failing and someone says, hey, give me 10 cows for $64,000, why would you? Not say yes. Yeah, I'll yeah. stick around. Do you want more cows? Yeah. I'll stick around. <laughs> yeah, I'll stick around. You're the I golden goose. I it's can... crazy. These ones are going to tie, yeah. and then you can just buy more from me, because I'll yeah. be here. These ones will get eaten, destroyed, absolutely mutilated in front of you, but... He's the main person that everything happened to. Exactly. And I'm sure... I mean, out of the three of us, if one of us was to go, I saw the craziest thing the other night, and then every night I saw the craziest thing... Like, I can't believe you haven't seen it. Yeah. You're going to see it. Yeah, if you're seeing, seeing aliens all the time and you tell someone, they might start seeing aliens. But I don't Placebo, know if that makes It works in every way imaginable. I mean, I don't know. I just really want to see a fucking alien. I think we just need to apply a little bit of logic to the whole situation and realize, like, there's a chance that some aliens abducted a Mormon dude, right? And he's up there in their space shuttle. And he told him, he's like, oh, you got to try the you into beef. And they thought it sounded really good. He talked it up a lot. He talked so much about that that they were glad when he started talking about Jesus until like the third or fourth they hour. They don't talk about Jesus. They talk about Joseph Smith. Joseph yeah, Smith. Yeah, that brings an interesting thought. Do you think Mormonism played any role in this? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I believe that people that are have chosen to believe in uh unseeable or they, I guess if people have been indoctr indoctrinated into a belief thing where they can angels exist demons exist aliens exist obviously and things like that they are also more susceptible because a lot of Mormon people are really into shit like this it's not like just a random oh you know unsolved mysteries is fun but they're really really deep into like UF UFOlogy and stuff like Cause that. Because isn't the whole basis that basically you die and you go to Yeah, you, you get your own another... celestial planet. Yeah, yeah, so why would you not believe that there's yeah, yeah. shit out there? Because the aliens gave Joseph Smith the Book of Mormon. 
is probably true as well. See, that's the thing is that I, I no, just I think believe... isn't that what it is, right? No, no some it was the God... angel Moroni came down oh. and had hidden tablets in America where the plight of the Indian natives was. I wrote a whole paper on it like twelve years ago. I can't remember. <sighs> well, I just I think that yeah, religion does make people more susceptible to believe into the things they cannot see, cannot confirm. So read into that as you will i do believe that religion does play a huge part in all of this like most companies that go through utah are beholden to the mormon church at some point or another because they're just in so much control up there like it's unreal so yeah i do believe it makes people more susceptible being uh, a person of faith because why not you're taught to believe in something that may or may not be true your entire life which is why it could just all be one big government testing grounds, and they know that the people there will just believe it's aliens. Well, there is a legitimate government testing grounds uh, outside of outside of Tooele called Dugway, and it's a whole underground military base where they test uh, chemical weapons and stuff. Item nine. Item nine. Probably tested there. <laughs> Bury the hatch. Sell the land. What do we do with him? Get rid of him. Okay. So, I think that's going to be it for Skinwalker Ranch, guys. Thanks for listening. Yinadushi. Yinadushi. <laughs> no, it's Yinadushi. Oh, yeah. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to send us an email at fourcornerscrimecast at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R cornerscrimecast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash fourcornerscrimecast on Instagram at fourcornerscrimecast on Twitter at fourcornerscast and at fourcornerscrimecast.tumblr.com. And don't forget to give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts because we love to hear from you guys, even when you hate us. Follow us on Spotify. Check out our new website. Nope. Check out our website, fourcornerscrimecast.com. Uh, head over there for a full episode list uh, to send us ideas for any episodes you guys want to hear or to get your free sticker from our merch store just by entering the code bingo bango at checkout. Uh, you do that, we'll ship the sticker out to you 100% for free. So, eyes on the skies. Andrea Yates next week. Ooh, who's she? You'll find out next week. Thanks dun, for listening, dun, guys. Dun, dun. See ya. Adios, motherfuckers. Do you like being sad, Ryan? Do you like it? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>